This is the Salty Talks podcast, a show highlighting all things aquaculture in Maine. I'm Corinne Newfie, the aquaculture communication specialist at the Aquaculture Research Institute, and today I'm at Canopy Farms in Brunswick, Maine, to talk about a really cool type of farming called aquaponics and how this fits into aquaculture. I'm joined here today by Jenna Grossbarth and Sam Altsnauer, and I'm going to turn it over to both of you to introduce yourselves more and uh, give a little background about yourself. I'm Jenna. Uh, I'm the director of Canopy Farms. Uh, I started in this position just about uh, a year ago now. And my background is uh, I got my bachelor's in environmental science at the University of Southern Maine. And we had a research class that at the time was dedicated to doing research in our small aquaponics lab. Uh, And that was about my only experience doing any kind of agriculture or um, any experience with aquaponics. I'm Sam. Uh, I have kind of a funky background. I started, uh, I, used to, I grew up around here, but I went down to Boston to get my bachelor's in psychology. Um, then I learned a lot um, in terms of gardening indoors when I was living in Boston, and I really loved it, and I just couldn't get enough of it. Um, then the, the big old pandemic hit, and essentially like just decided, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do what I love to do, and I went back to school for horticulture. So I'm going there right now at SNCC to get a horticulture degree, and I love it. Um, And then this past fall, I saw a job opportunity here at Canopy Farms that Jenna had posted. And um, it seemed like the perfect fit because at home, I really really enjoy um, aquascaping as well and growing various fruits and veggies um, and succulents in like various grow areas at home. So this really kind of fit into everything that I already love and do. Um, And just kind of just everything just fit in. And so I really loved it. Um, And Sam has a a split position in the building and I'm sure we'll talk about this more later, but we're all work in the same building. So it's the farm and the kitchen and the cafe and the fish room all rolled into one. Um, So she spends um, a little less than half her time working the greenhouse and then the rest of the time working out front in the cafe and making coffee and and doing that kind of thing which you mm-hmm. also love so. yeah yeah being front of house is awesome uh, and then just this past weekend i learned more back of house um kind of hot sauce and sambal making and some really cool um fermentation techniques oh, so nice. really excited about that as well just kind of adding new little interests as i go along but it's fun what does the word aquaponics mean uh aquaponics is is kind of a um a meshed word for aquaculture and hydroponics so aquaculture is just the rearing or farming of any aquatic species so there's aquaculture in fin fish there's aquaculture in shrimp there's aquaculture in salmon like lots of fish these days is raised not wild caught but raised aqua, aqua in aquaculture and then hydroponics is the process of growing plants without soil and growing them in water, so hydro water. And so aquaponics is the process of using fish to grow plants um, together in a loop system. So you have the fish waste um, there in tanks and you have the fish waste, which is turned by beneficial bacteria. Um, And then that is the nutrients for the plants. Whereas in hydroponics, if it's just water, um, you have to add the nutrients yourself. Whereas in aquaponics, it's occurring naturally. So it's kind of like a symbiotic relationship almost Mm -hmm. with plants and fish because the fish are providing 
providing the nutrients for the plants, and then the plants are in turn filtering the water. Yep, they filter and clean the water and send it back down to the fish, so it's all recirculating. Gotcha. And this is not a new practice, from my understanding. Aquaponics was used in China, like, 2,000 years ago or something. Yeah, even before um, there were pumps and stuff to do it electronically, there is a, a kind of aquaponics that you can do where you just grow everything together in the same kind of marsh or tank or ecosystem, and you don't need to kind of move the water. Um, other than what's happening naturally um, in terms of moving the water. So yeah, that they were doing that in like salt marshes and, and all kinds of stuff like that where they were using the, the naturally occurring fish waste to, to grow their plants. And it's also really great because with the fish, like he, that's like its own little circulating system too. If you have everything growing out of that pond, yep. marsh, whatever it is, it's like its own little, yeah, everything recirculates. So Canopy Farms is sort of this unique aquaponics setup because it's a greenhouse that's on top of a building and the building is uh, a market and cafe Zauza and then the fish are growing in tanks beneath the cafe mm-hmm. and then right across the street uh, crossing the parking lot is the Tao Yuan restaurant so how did all of this get started it's a lot of moving pieces yeah our our bosses Karen still are very ambitious people um, to start something uh, kind of of this nature so Tao Yuan was the first restaurant uh, Kara opened that in 2012 uh, that was kind of her first restaurant that she opened where uh, she started to kind of like branch out as her own as a chef and it was very successful uh, for many many years uh, until the pandemic had all of their restaurants closed down for a period of time as the success of Tao grew uh, she opened her second restaurant uh, which is Bao Bao in uh, Dumbling House in Portland and they opened a third one called Leo uh, right after Bao Bao which was um, also closed during the pandemic and then right as the pandemic uh, was kind of starting uh, they had already started to lay the foundations for this building. They always had the idea of wanting to get or have availability to have uh, locally grown sustainable produce year round Um, because Carrie uses a lot of um, fresh and Asian and hard to come by ingredients. The idea was that she would have kind of her own access to that to supply all the restaurants. Can you describe what the aquaponics setup at Canopy Farms Mm -hmm. looks like? Yeah, this is kind of hard to do over like just talking because it's one of those things that you kind of really need to see. But our our ground or our first level is the the market and the cafe and the commercial kitchen space. And then on top of that, we have our greenhouse structure, um, which looks very similar actually to most greenhouses you'll see. And the inside is what's unique. So we have we have 16 grow beds upstairs, uh, plus another four in the hothouse, uh, which is like its own little separate system in the greenhouse. Um, and then we're also working on expanding with some vertical systems. So I say we have 20 beds or so, but we're actually kind of working on expanding so that our actual production capacity is higher because growing vertically maximizes space. Um, so we have those beds upstairs and then all of that water is being pumped from the basement, which is like our sub level in the, in the building. And then that's where the fish are being raised in two 2000 gallon tanks. And then we have our industrial pump, pump it all the way up to the roof. It filters through the beds and then it uh, goes right back down to the basement. Um, and where's the water coming from? Most of, so the water in the system is recirculating. So the majority of our water is just moving continuously. And when we do add water to the system, it's uh, we're connected to the town municipal water. So we use their water and their sewer uh, to get like whenever we have to add water. So what kind of food are you growing? Um, there's the fish, of course, but what sort of vegetables do you have mm-hmm. in the greenhouse? So there's a whole bunch of different types of veggies. Um, recently been trying to kind of narrow it down, uh, focus more on um, certain types of veggies. There are 
tons of different types of lettuce, strawberries, shishito peppers. Um, we've got some, do you still have the, the California tomatoes with that, that plants out the little golden? We're working on it. We're working on it. It's coming back. <laughs> we've got plum, plum tomatoes, different types of, we've got kale, really lovely kale, cilantro, parsley, Thai basil, lemongrass, uh, upland cress. We've got chives, Chinese chives, Chinese broccoli. We also grow microgreens. So that'll vary depending on the week. Usually it can be like broccoli sprouts, pea shoots. Love pea shoots. Yeah. And, and like, they're so, good. they're so good. Sunflower sprouts. I mean, like there's always something new, something fun. Tons of like butterhead lettuces, various types of spicy lettuces. Um, bok choy. Bok choy. We've got, lo- we've got lovely bok choy. That's for sure. Um, People really like our bok choy. <laughs> yeah. They're really, they're really lovely. And I think they're really cute and delicious. So, I mean, do with that information as you will. And sorrel. <laughs> and, and sorrel. We've got sorrel. Um, and I feel like I'm definitely missing nasturtiums. Nister- well, I love the nasturtiums. I love the Jenna does not like nasturtiums. <laughs> I love nasturtiums. Um, and yeah. Rainbow chard. Rainbow spinach. Rainbow chard. Spinach. So many leafy greens. Lots yes. So many leafy greens. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you all for people who are listening. Last, whenever I was up there, these leafy greens look like something out of like a simulation or something. Like they're like <laughs> so beautiful. It's hard to explain. But um, yeah, the bok choy. Very beautiful looking. Very cute. Very I guess. cute. Yeah. So cute. And then it's the... quite a different. I mean, most aquaponics operations, especially on the commercial side, will only grow like a couple different kinds of lettuce. So one of our biggest advantages of growing, like, I think we have like at least 21 different products upstairs is that we're a growing things out of season and then b we also are growing things that are different than kind of what else you'll see in the grocery store that's grown aquaponically or hydroponically most of that is just lettuce so um we can offer things like stuff you wouldn't normally see kind of on a commercial aquaponic scale like tomatoes or sorrel or cress or just different bok choy different things that most people aren't growing aquaponically and then also i think one of the benefits of aquaponics versus hydroponics is that i think the the it really brings out the flavors of um all the vegetables fruits that you're able to taste um, because you're not getting that kind of like metallic-y kind of chemically feel that you get with certain types of leafy vegetables and hydroponics Um, because I know that that flavor. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there are certain flavors that can, at least, I don't know if I would just have like my my palate like like a little gross, Um, but I feel like I've noticed (laughs) a little little bit of a difference with certain types of hydroponics that also can be like mitigated by the amount of nutrients you're putting in the water what you're putting into the water um so it's but it's just like it's a different type of system where whereas really we're really lucky to have everything kind of all the nutrients in one recirculating system um and i think it makes everything just taste a little bit better speaking of the nutrients that are in the system i think that uh a misconception with aquaponics is that you're using fish poop to fertilize the plants in the (laughs) greenhouse and it's like a little more nuanced than that (laughs) solid waste is being removed and then the remainder of it is it it's being treated yeah so the kind of like the the broad way to say it is yeah we use fish poop to grow plants um that's not 100 true so kind of the the more nuanced description of what is actually happening in terms of like how we're using fish poop to grow plants is that i would say 99 percent of the actual solid waste of the fish poop is um we have a couple different ways that we filter it out of the system so in our main system we have a tank that's uh we use gravity so 
so uh, it's being pumped into the cone tank and uh, because it'll settle it will um, the solids will collect on the bottom of the tank and then the rest of the water will kind of move along the top and then um, as it goes through there it goes through uh, a, a drum filter which just has a micron screen on so it's like 200 microns or something also has a UV light to kill pathogens and then it goes into these big tubs that have um, uh, pieces of plastic that look like pasta um, which is pasta yeah it's, it it's the time. bacteria pasta right. bacteria pasta yeah and I they're <laughs> like can we eat that I'm like please don't please don't touch it so whenever I take a school car on the uh, into the basement I yeah that's what I asked when I first when you showed me around I'm like ooh can I eat this and you're like Sam don't do that <laughs> um, so the, it's just a uh, plastic with a high surface area ratio that has a lot of uh, that's where most of our filtration is happening that has um, all the bacteria living in those buckets and then it goes back into the fish tanks so uh, this is also misconstrued it's mostly the fish pee that uh, we're using and then most of like I said that mm -hmm. waste is actually being we take that out of the system and because we're connected to the sewer uh, we just use the, the town sewer to dispose of it uh, something that's I want to work on the summer though is actually using a worm compost uh, that's very common in um, smaller nice. aquatic setups is to use a you take the solids and you just put them in a worm compost and then the worms just eat it up and it's it's pretty cool uh, there's one at USM right now so I want to kind of seal their worms and, yes. and do it here yeah, yeah, yeah well, that will, that's know. something that's coming up this summer we're never bored here so that's kind of the process of filtration um, and what we're after is ammonia. Mm -hmm. um, so the fish waste and the fish poop and the fish pee, that's, that all has ammonia in it. And that ammonia in a form in waste is in, in large amounts is toxic to the fish. But once it's uh, fixed from ammonia into nitrate, that nitrate is what makes our plants grow so big and what makes all plants grow big. And this is like a process, like this beneficial nitrifying bacteria that happens in real life too, like in, in lakes and oceans. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. 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 It happens in lakes, oceans, in, in traditional field farming um mm -hmm. all roots have that bacteria i mean you could speak more about this too but all roots have that like beneficial bacteria living on them it's what's making the the nutrients in the soil or wherever you happen to be growing a plant available for the for the plant how do people respond when you're like see this lettuce it was grown with fish poop yeah or i guess fish pee <laughs> <laughs> you know the biggest problem i have with so this is the first year we've um sold at a farmer's market we're in the portland farmer's market and the summer we're actually going to be moving to the freeport farmer's market the biggest problem i've had with perception so far is actually not our plants people love the plants they're like oh this is so cool like i would say a lot of people are familiar with kind of the process of growing hydroponically or finally whether they've seen it in the grocery store mostly hydroponically um it's actually with the fish uh people at least the consumers that we've kind of interacted with have a lot of misconceptions about seafood in general and then also especially freshwater fish um we had a hard we had a hard time finding a market for our tilapia which we used to grow here um which is why we don't grow them anymore it kind of doesn't matter even if you tell someone like no we're, we grow them here like it's 100 percent safe they're fresh like no problem with our fish they still don't really want to eat it so i think it's more of like kind of a seafood perception mm -hmm. in general yeah that's not surprising to yeah me, to <laughs> hear that do you have that problem with trout not as much not as much um but still definitely with the fresh water hmm. because trout's still fresh water people ask me they're like did you go out and catch that i was like no we raised them um, <laughs> i didn't go fishing yesterday to get and just having to catch <laughs> i mean in a way you got a net out and i have a trout that's it. over a pound yeah <laughs> Middle of winter. Like two pounds. Yeah. Too. They're big. The they're big huge. Guys. They're honkers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, because it is a freshwater fish, I, I find that a little bit more, um, but a little less definitely with the trout. Um, so, people are like, oh, I love trout. And others are like, where did you catch that? Um, so, it's it's just a matter of like kind of educating them and explaining, like, no, we just harvested them yesterday. They're super safe, like that kind of thing. So, the trout that you're growing, where are you getting the larvae from? Actually, what stage are you getting the trout in? We get them in the finger 
dealing stage. So you can really get them at any, from, from my limited experience in fish dealing and buying is that um, the the place we get them from is called Shy Beaver Trout. And we're actually uh, hosting them as one of the featured producers for our science cafe. I'm sure we're going to talk about that coming up. Um, it's cool because we get to, like, it's not, it's kind of both of our products. Like it's his fingerlings, but we're the one raising the fish. So we get them in the fingerling stage. The ideal would be to get them about two or three inches because that they're a little cheaper than um, this past year we had to get them at five, six because of timing issues. But you can get them at any stage. Um, obviously the smaller they are, the cheaper they're going to be, but then the more risk you take in them dying off. So we get them when they're about two to three inches long in the fingerling or juvenile stage. And then from there, we can, in about a year, theoretically grow them out to be market size, which is between eight ounces and a pound. So mm-hmm. for a whole trout. I love whole trout. You do? On the grill. Yeah. Great. So good. Me too. Um, oh. It's the best. My dad is Palestinian and that's like a, like eating yeah. whole fish is mm-hmm. just like something that you do yep. a lot. Um, that's also something is grilled trout is, is fairly common here. Like I've heard people don't like wrinkle up their nose when they hear that, but we've had trouble selling whole fish as well. That's also kind of a perception thing. It's like people want it in America, at least or here. They want it filleted. They want it vacuum sealed. And we just don't have the capability to like do to sell our fish like that. Cause filleting is extremely time consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas it's, just better to sell it whole too because then you can use the bones and the crispy skin yeah in a traditional way you know that kind of thing so yeah my dad always says the fins are the best part they're like potato chips Mm -hmm. um but better which i definitely will agree with that yep okay so we know where the plants are getting their nutrients Mm -hmm. from but what are the fish eating the so we get a commercial fish feed from a company called bio oregon they're an international company and they actually just happen to have a their East Coast stores in Westbrook, which is like really lucky for us because otherwise we'd have to pay like shipping fees and these are like 50 pound bags. So it's like, a, it would be a hassle. So we just pop in the car and drive to Westbrook and I just pick up some some bags. So we use a commercial fish feed um, for trout, usually between four and six millimeters. They're little like pellets uh, and they don't float. But this past year we got a grant from uh, Northeast SARE to try to experiment to make our own fish feed um, using byproduct waste. So, um, I mean, there were a gazillion ingredients into the fish feed, but some of the more experimental ones were using black soldier fly larva, like dried soldier fly larva, kelp, and uh, brewer's waste. So like, oh cool, yeah, it lo- almost looked like the sawdusty thing, where it's like it's the yeah. it's the wheat byproduct from brewing beer, and then also mm-hmm. some like high proof alcohol waste from like vodka, I think, distilling. So those were the three main ingredients that um, provided the protein. Because if you think of something we're raising trout versus like tilapia trout, or they have a higher any kind of salmon will have will have a higher protein. Uh, requirement. So the the, pr- the food itself has to be high protein content. So uh, we um, ran that experiment. We're actually just finishing it up right now. We had a couple different tanks with a couple different percentages. And I believe the 20 to 25 to 50% fly larva was the most uh, successful in terms of like fish survival. So I think Theo, who was running that experiment over at the USM lab, was uh, going to make me a bag to try to feed the fish. It's, it's we were kind of hoping for a second phase grant to kind of like narrow it down because um, we had some problems just in the beginning of like getting the fish and raising them and like just making sure they stay alive um so that kind of put a delay in things so i wouldn't say that we're like we've cracked the code on where to source fish food sustainably but it was kind of cool to run 
run that experiment and see that it is possible to to do this with um, um, a trout or a salmon, which is more popular than a tilapia. Yeah, especially since I think Maine, especially Southern Maine, has so many distilleries and breweries that yeah. there's mm-hmm. so much waste that, I mean, like from every kind of industry, there's always going to be some yeah. kind of byproduct, but that's often that that could kind of be recirculated back into something that is beneficial for fish. Yeah. We didn't get, I didn't have time to do a cost analysis because it was like a high initial cost to mm-hmm. get all the like tiny little ingredients that you need. That's not, because fish food that you get is just ground up other fish. Yeah. Um, so it's just other fish that have been ground up and shoved into a pellet. So obviously that's not really the most sustainable thing to do. So we were trying to experiment with that and see if we could be also kind of a different market as well. So like people were interested in more organic and sustainable um, fish food for their aquaculture operations. That could also be another revenue chain coming out of Canopy Farms. It's all in the works like that. It might be something we kind of revisit. Mm-hmm. Um in a little bit, but we, we were, I was excited by the results. We definitely saw some, some difference in the, in what yeah, we tested. Yeah, so awesome. that is exciting. Yeah. Not that I'm like an apocalypse person, but in regard, <laughs> I love the but, <laughs> but you, you never know. I don't want to jinx myself. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. in regards to food, this seems to be the way to go. This is kind of moving the needle in the right direction, right? Like it's environmentally conscious, environmentally conscious way of producing food and not creating waste that we have been creating for centuries and it's really cool combining modern technology with like one of the oldest practices. Yeah. Um, do you think that aquaponics is scalable for a system like this? Sam face. Yes. I you can only see the look okay. Sam's Sam, I think, we should talk, I think you should talk about the benefits of aquaponics and maybe specifically in our system and I'll talk about the negatives or like kind of the drawbacks of using this in a... That's great. I had yeah. a question about that. Okay, great. Yeah, you talk okay. about that too. I will talk about the benefits and also I think it's scalable depending on what you you want at home like I have a few different fish tanks that I'm growing aquaponic like I have peppers and nasturtiums and spinach in there the spinach is a really good um, little teller of the nutrients in the water so the leaves will either oh my gosh like turn <laughs> yellow or like the veins will be darker and it tells you everything you need to know about basically the the nutrients it's so um, sensitive it's so sensitive and so that's like my little my marker plant but then I'm growing like other plants and other types of fruits out of my fish tanks so you can do it at home um, if you have like the right setup and if and, and the time because it is time you know you have to clean the fish tank there's a lot that goes into it but there's a lot of benefits i think that this is scalable depending on you know where you're at you can do this in urban areas and rural areas as much of a benefit it is there is the the one issue of droughts that maine really has been dealing with recently um so if you want to do this in the wild in a local pond and something some kind of natural ecosystem there could be some sort of detriment when it comes to the more dry times of the year but yeah I never think about aquaponics as something done outside farm you know wild but like you can. you can um I just never think about that yeah that's a good point you would just need a different type of I mean obviously a different type of a field culture system to grow plants out of like in the same kind of what you weigh that you would aqu- aquaculture you would just you know adding plants yeah a little bit yeah, different a little, a little harder but yeah I mean I think this is scalable for any person personally it just yeah I mean any person asterisk depending on what kind of time you have or what you want to grow um, what your space allows. I mean, there are this endless amounts of caveats that go to the end of yeah. that. But um, yeah, I think I think if you want to do it, do it. <laughs> 
I think one of the biggest drawbacks is that, um, so just in aquaponics in general, it's like you, there are so many benefits, um, but kind of looking at things in a system, there, nothing is perfect. No, no way of growing food for the future is going to be like without problems. So it's, it's like tons of benefits. So these are like the minor drawbacks. So just remember that aquaponics is like really awesome. Um, and it's, and, and for sure a sustainable way to grow food, but the, the biggest cost both in energy and with money is the electricity it takes to run the system. So we have a huge, huge electricity bill here in the building uh, because, you know, if you think about everything that's going on right now is like we have X amount of grow lights, a pump, an air blower that's running 24 seven, um, various other tiny local pumps, UV fill, you know, UV lights, everything is motorized. Everything is on a system. So it, there are electricity is definitely, that's a big cost um, to running an aquaponic system and also not kind of taking away from the sustainability of it is like, well, you need to be connected to a grid and you need to be using probably fossil fuel uh, to power your electrical plant. So there's that unless you somehow get connected to a solar farm, um, which we don't have yet at the building. Um, that would kind of be an ideal way to do is that you're getting, you're also sourcing your electricity sustainably. Um, so electricity is one of the big costs of it. You are also limited by what you can grow. So not everything grows. And I'll, I'll speak more on the commercial side of it is like commercially, not everything grows well aquaponically. Yeah, so it sounds like you have some really fun things at home. And then as soon as you try to put that on a big scale, it's definitely harder. It's harder. Yeah. Because with my tinier fish tanks, I can really control the environment right. within um, what, but, but, you know, based on what kind of fish I add, because there definitely are some plants that are wicked heavy feeders and they just need a lot of nutrients. And there are just some things that the fish cannot provide. And if you added all that, like the fish would die, you would mess up the system. Yeah. Yeah. But commercially, one of the hardest parts about managing the greenhouse has been, I mean, we listed off the product, all the products we have. And I think it's up to like 20, 20 to 23, depending on what we have, you know, 20 to 25 different products. If you think about all of those different products have different nutrient requirements. So mm -hmm. you're working on a scale of like 20 different nutrient requirements. And then the fish have their own system and then the bacteria have their own needs as well. So it, it is quite a bit to manage all of those different products on a commercial level, because that's, that's why um, you'll mainly see people just growing like a couple different kinds of lettuce is that they can control. Yeah. And they're all kind of within the same subset of like, oh, lettuce needs this temperature and this light and these nutrients mm -hmm. kind of thing. And, and as soon as you kind of add more to that, it gets harder to grow on the commercial level. So the, di the, the diversity of aquaponics is that it is something a lot to manage to, to grow lots of different plants in a system that is all connected. Mm -hmm. um, and the electricity and and also we we have like it's a single single like non gutter connected greenhouse that is just like i would say like growing in inside of the greenhouse like you have one big environment as like opposed to other types of commercial like commercial growing operations that right. are able to separate um various sections of their greenhouse because they have more space right. yeah so we all also are trying to like grow so much within this you know getting the right you know the right the right amount of plants and companion plants that work with each other and with the environment that we have. Yeah. So you guys do these science cafes. Mm -hmm. Also, last summer you had a student working with you through the Aquaculture Research Institute's mm -hmm. externship. Kind of want to talk a bit about yeah. both of those things. I guess let's start with the extern that you had. Yeah, we actually have a couple different intern extern opportunities. So we it's it's taken a while to get kind of connected with that. But so during the school year, so from like September to May, we host um, a USM intern. 
and they're here like you know 15 20 hours a week throughout the school year through their like employment opportunity office um so we usually host a student this we've had our second one this has been our second year hosting and we already have we're starting to get people lined up for the third one uh we're gonna be starting the interview process for that and then during the summer we have the aquaculture research uh extern who again this is our second year hosting that so um we actually just finished the interviews for the yeah. extern <laughs> so awesome. i'll, I'll yeah. be hearing back soon as to who we have this summer um, they said really great people i mean the all the people that i interviewed this summer has been like they're like really overachievers so i was like wow <laughs> this, is, this is kind of intense um, so they said uh, it's really cool that we get to host someone for kind of like a not it's not an internship like they're going and they're like staying here for the summer like not local to their area and doing intern duties but as you know not local to their school or kind yeah. of thing so um that's cool what kind of work are they doing uh all the the part-time people and um the interns kind of have the same job description where i'm usually stuck in the office all day and so they're the ones kind of doing the daily maintenance um they're harvesting they're washing they're packing the produce they're doing um aphid control and all of our pests mm-hmm. um aphids thrips spider mites yeah those are our big ones so yeah. um they're doing a lot of um controls on that they do the water qual- most of the water quality testing and the uh, adding the fertilizers to the water um pruning trimming the plants what else do you do <laughs> i mean that's yeah that's a lot of it yeah harvesting the fish um the harvesting yeah i always forget about that harvesting yeah. the fish so that's and that's just during the winter too so um that's like the oh no we'll be doing it during the summer okay cool. yeah well, no, no not, not just winter scratch yeah. that <laughs> record scratch <laughs> um so that yeah i mean you pretty much covered covered a lot of it um we also stock the front cafe make sure that the the fridge for people who stop in have a few lettuce few lettuce options some yeah. some microgreens they also run the csa they help run the csa too so we'll yep. pack that before the members of our csa every week so we harvest and pack for that as well that's, that's, that's it's a lot yeah and then the, the many cleanings that we have so you know trays pots cone tanks transplanting seating. yeah transplanting and seeding the um, the produce too so mm-hmm. kind of everything you guys you really do everything so yeah. yeah that sounds great it seems like they're getting um exposure to a whole wide range of skill yeah. sets mm-hmm. not like super narrow just oh no it's different it's different every day i mean i know you do the you fridays kind of look the same mm-hmm. for on the weekly but if, if someone was here multiple days um it's different every mm-hmm. day of the week yeah different days for packaging harvesting yeah um growing all the interns or externs who come by also do a research project which is great because we're like building the research base of cannabis farms because i don't have the time to do all the research yeah we had our first intern do um an ipm plan for to kind of like work with to control the aphids is that integrative pest integrated management? pest management yep the hunter our intern now is working on he actually isn't from he doesn't have a science background he's a business student so uh yeah did you know that he's like, i did not know yeah that. he's a business student so he's working on a um a sales uh, analysis of and kind of a kind of getting the feel for going back to the perception thing it was like i want to know people's perception about aquaponics organically grown produce and like how much they're willing to pay more for that uh, especially when it's grown locally um so he's been doing an analysis of that he's been talking to other farms he's talking to like produce managers of hannaford and so like what do you want to stock in your case like would you carry something like aquaponically grown produce if it was available to you that kind of thing so um he's working on that and then i'm gonna have um the extern this summer work on kind of compiling all of the problems that can be associated with um growing aquaponically so we've had uh some scares with like fish disease um even though it's really hard to get a fish disease in a recirculating aquaponic system because again i don't really have the time to do like 
hours and hours of research being like, what's wrong with fish or what's wrong with the plants? So they're kind of going to be compiling like a, a one-stop shop to be like, okay, why is the spinach turning yellow? It's because they're not getting enough iron, like that kind of thing. So that's awesome. Yeah. There's a lot of conflicting research if you just Google stuff online. So I really want it to be centralized. Yeah. Sounds like they're helping develop canopy farms. Yeah, for sure. As well. mm-hmm. um, and then these science cafes, mm-hmm. they started up in February. Is that right? No. So this is actually the second year we're running the science cafes. So it, um, it was kind of the brainchild of um, Kate, the last director. They got a grant to run this during like smack dab in the middle of COVID. Uh, yeah, it was it was great. And they actually got really good attendance for it being in the, sma- in the middle of COVID. So they got this grant to kind of raise aquaculture and seafood awareness in this area. Uh, they ran seven science cafes, all with varying amounts. So they did like clams, oysters, scallops, kelp, fin fish. Like they did every kind of thing you can grow like in aquaculture. And then we'd also pair that with a cooking class. And then this year we're doing five. So we bring in a local aquaculture producer or farmer and uh, we kind of have like an open to the public uh, talk where they just come in and present about their operation and what they do and how they got into it. And then the audience has a time to ask questions. And we'll also eat snacks um, made by the chefs here at Zao. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. Um, with their product. And then the next night we run a cooking class with Kara, our head chef, and uh, we cook with the product that was featured. So this one coming up, I was really excited to introduce some traditional field farms into this. So we're Six River Farm is in Bodenham. Um, so we're going to be using some of their products and they're coming to speak. Oh, and also Shy Beaver Trout, which is in Hollis, who where we get our trout from. So we'll be featuring our trout, which is also their trout, as one of the products. So I'm super excited. I think it's going to be great. So yeah, so we, we, we do a cooking class and people sign up for that. And um, we also have free spots for teachers to participate as well. That's so fun. Yeah. So uh, people who are listening and want to sign up, how do they do that? Um, the Science Cafe is free. Like I said, it's free and open to the public. So you can just come. Uh, they're always at 4.30. So it really, you just got to check our website because I don't know the exact dates off the top of my head, but they're usually yeah. like the last Sunday of every month. You just come at 4.30, you show up, interested, ask questions, talk to the producers, eat some snacks. And then to sign up for the cooking class, you just need to email me at jenna at canopyfarms.org. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you get to learn. You get yeah. snacks. You get uh, a whole bunch of, a whole trunk full of uh, new new brain worms to think about. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think you can, I don't think you can go wrong with that. And next day, cooking class. I know, I don't know how to cook most things. So we could all benefit from a little something, something. Man, I should sign up. You should. Come on back. We'll give you the friends and family discount. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Um, so. Yeah, this is also run by Main Sea Grant too. So we, so the, we okay. did, um, the last grant was run through NOAA, um, through their like aquaculture education. And then we saw this proposal to, again, like people want to, in the, one of the and i'm sure through ari too is like one of your i mean your, your job is basically education yeah um, and it's this podcast yeah and public outreach so it's like there there's clearly a need and a want to like further people's interest in education in sustainable seafood um mm-hmm. so we got i mean we basically kind of took this model and put it in for this kind of push of grants to, to be like hey we've done this before it's been really successful we want to continue this program because we've we've gotten a lot of really good feedback people love doing the cooking class they say it's so fun and we make up a lot of food, so. <laughs> yeah, that does sound really fun. Um, I want to hear from both of you what your favorite part of working at Canopy Farms is. I'm going to think about that for a second. I I feel like I have a few favorites. It's hard to nail down. It's like asking me what my favorite plan is, and it's like, I don't know. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. So what I, is your favorite plant? That, again, I don't know. <laughs> well, actually, okay. So one of my favorite plants is the the red veined Anchianthus. It is a um, all season interest plant. They have it's absolutely beautiful little pink striped bells in the spring, mm-hmm. and then these really nice little leaves that turn this bright orangey red in the fall. Beautiful chef's kiss. Um, so that's my favorite plant, I guess, comma others. But the greenhouse, I love seeing, I just love seeing growth. I think that's one of the most exciting things is that you can see in a lot of different aquaculture farming um, is just from the beginning to the end of production to harvest. It's just so rewarding to be able to see these things mature uh, in terms of the plants and the fish. And you just kind of, you know, you develop a little connection and a little like a love for, you know, the tomato plant. So when it gets aphids or when it gets thrips, um, you're like, oh, I got to fix this. My child, you must survive. Yeah, it's really it's it's really rewarding and so that's definitely that's one of my favorite parts and then also i think because i have a few different jobs here at um the the cafe and greenhouse i really love learning new things out front and mm-hmm. in back in the kitchen in terms of i mean i just again like just learned how to ferment some ball right and i really love that and i'm really excited to learn more about like jamming preserving pickling with uh traditional techniques eastern asian techniques yeah. that kara and the chefs are gonna teach me i know she's um, such a wealth of knowledge like, so much to always learn. preserving and fermenting peppers into sambal so many, like, right like using impressive. giant ongis right and um my lips are still burning from that which is fine it just <laughs> makes me feel alive so yeah. you know it's another another day another another dollar um i love that and so uh, that's kind of that's where i'm gonna wrap things up on my favorite things my favorite plant is a quaking aspen tree i did not come from like a house plant field a quaking like, aspen tree yeah did you spend time in colorado i did actually i used to work there um but i i grew up there oh really yeah i did i don't know flowers i actually really suck at growing flowers um this is sorry this is my dirty little secret i actually cannot keep a house plant alive for the life of me i know i know sam laughs at that because i run this greenhouse and i for the life of me cannot keep one plant alive but if it's in the system if it's in the system it's fine yeah if it's in the system i always say i was like i almost killed some of our decorative trees um up at the greenhouse (laughs) that are in the southern just in soil and thankfully sam's around to help with that um but i'm like if it's in the system it's fine um but if it's outside i cannot guarantee anything is going to survive um but then i come in i'm like yeah and then we balance each other out um my favorite part about working the grass is probably um i think in any job i've ever worked at is working with the people and getting to do um outreach and education for this greenhouse um because it's it can't just be about the money for me like if that's the case your soul is gonna get sucked out of you like i love that we get to that people someone way higher up in me in a grant organization thinks that we're worth giving money to so that we can do something with our very unique space. Um, It's kind of sometimes stressful it is to plan these science cafes. I've loved hosting the science cafes and the cooking classes. I also love doing the school tours, which is, I forgot to mention, is part of the grant as well, is that we have the time now to to bring in and and push teachers to be able to bring their kids into our space and kind of see what they're doing in the classroom on a a commercial level. And um, another big push from the Education Tide is um, career development. So we're seeing a lot of younger people exit kind of the seafood industry and or just seafood anything kind of related to coastal ecosystems so a big push that we want to get young people interested in like working on the coast and working in kind of aquaculture research you know agriculture whatever so um that's something that's like i i also find personally rewarding along with like growing fruit for people which just inherently is rewarding is that we get to host kids and host interns and kind of develop 
careers because you never know when someone's in school what is going to like move them to kind of pick where they want to end up in their career so yeah thank you both for taking the time to be on this podcast listeners if you are in brunswick or passing through brunswick you should absolutely stop by here it's a really incredible space 